us. Um, but I truly believe that we're settling for, settling for relationships that aren't what God has for us. That are, I said this last week and I wanted to show you again, this has become our bar for success. That if you can say to your spouse, we haven't killed each other yet, then somehow that's a successful marriage, right? If that's, if, I mean, that's a pretty low bar, right? And so, but, but we've settled for that. And the Bible tells us that God's got more for us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, this is out of the message, which is a paraphrased version. Again, the guy wrote it so his family could read it. I just like the way this reads. He says, don't become well-adjusted to your culture so that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And the rest of the verse says, you'll be changed from the inside out. That's the part we don't like. We want to be changed from the outside in because the outside is easy to change. I can change my clothes. I can change my hair. I can change my appearance. But the heart issues become a little harder. It says readily recognize what he wants from you and then quickly respond to it. And it says unlike culture, it's always dragging you around and dragging you down to its level of immaturity, that God brings the best out in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. That says to me that there's more. I encourage you, if you missed last week, that you go back and, and listen to it because this was what we took away last week, and that was the best you can give to a relationship is the God best you. You can't make yourself any better than God can make you. Matter of fact, I would submit to us that a lot of us mess it up trying to do it ourselves. So the way you help first your relationship to get it extraordinary is first to take care of the, the heart. Your heart, the things that you believe, what you let dwell in your heart. But I want to give you something today. Something that most of you probably would think is not part of a healthy relationship. That this is not, and when we talk about this with, when I do new, uh, newlywed counseling or Melanie and I will counsel people getting married. We give them this tool. But not many of us who have been married for very long, we're given the tool that I'm going to give you today. And I want to start by asking you this question. Do you fight on purpose? You could say, do you fight with purpose? Because I would submit to you that none of us are taught in a marriage, in a relationship, how to fight. Because we do it all wrong according to what the Bible says. Every marriage has fights. Every marriage argues and most of it, honestly, is over stupid stuff. So I made our top list. Melanie already knows it's coming. And so this is this things we fight over. And have it recently. Hopefully not today. Okay, here's one. Toilet paper. Over or... Who cares? We all know where it's going. Who cares? Somehow you're not more high class because it comes over the top. It drives me nuts. Laundry basket. Is it different in or near? No. Laundry basket, clothes here. It's dirty. It's laying by the laundry basket. Why would you? Any normal person would pick it up and, and put it as part of the laundry, right? Come on, dude. Y'all got to help me out here. In, yeah, y'all like, I ain't going down that road, uh-uh. Okay, I got another one for you. I try to help, I try to do good, and I fold a towel. 
Did you know there's a United Nations approved way to fold a towel? It's, only, it's the only way in the world it's acceptable. I'll fold a towel and, and stick it in, and Melanie will come by and put it back. So I found, this one I found a way around. Because I have a big towel that's my shower towel, so when it goes to the laundry, I just grab it and take it immediately to the hanger and hang it up. No folding. There's your tip, guys. You don't have to fold it. I mean, it, we laugh about it. It was silly. Here's another one. We, this one's ongoing. Jelly and peanut butter. One knife, or do you have to clean the knife or get a second knife to then? Yeah, there. That's the answer. End of the second job. Melanie, look at you. Put jelly and peanut butter again. Even though you're putting it on the same sandwich and you're mixing up, some of you, this is nasty. Will y'all mix it all up? Again, we laugh because we fight over stupid stuff. And some of you have come to like, okay, I mean, like really physically getting it, like we're going to, I'm going to knock you out. Over silly stuff, over toilet paper, over um, TV, the TV volume, the TV channel. It's too light, it's too dark, it's too hot, it's too cold. But the truth of the matter is, all arguments in a marriage, all arguments in, in a marriage relationship are one of three things. Communication, sex, anybody want to guess the third one? Money. And I have, I've been doing this for 24 years, 25 years, and I've never counseled anybody that they're, they come in, they sit down, and one of these things is not their problem, if not all three. Unfortunately, one leads to the other that leads to the other, and unfortunately, one doesn't happen, one doesn't happen, and one doesn't happen. It's just the way relationships are built. It's the way we, and we argue over stupid stuff. But they're all launching points into arguing, and they're really based on one of those three things. See, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two become one. Well, if that spouse, is, the Bible in another verse says that the woman is supposed to be a fountain of blessing. Another verse says of the man that he's the protector, he's the shepherd of the household. But if two become one, and this is supposed to be so great, then why do we fight? Why do we fight over toilet paper, over, under, peanut butter, folded towels? Why do we fight? Here's why. Because we're imperfect people. We have this expectation that I can take two of us and put us together and somehow the imperfections we had apart now suddenly don't exist anymore. And I've said this for years. I always wish at a wedding or in a counseling married people that there was a way to show you, okay, this is what this dude looks like now, but let me show you him in 30 years. This is what she looks like now. This is what she's going to look like in 30 years, right? And we may be like, I don't know if I want to do this or not. But we're imperfect people, so we fight. Here's the next thing, and you just have to, this is part of life. We're different. There are parts of Melanie and I that are completely different. She's a planner. I'm somewhere in the middle. I can pick up and go, and sometimes, depending on what it is, like a service or something like this, I want it planned out. I want it detailed. I want to know what the flight plan is, where we're going, but then I can pick up and go. And so we're just different, but we're dealing with sin, with greedy flesh, selfish flesh. We just fight because we're different. 
But here's the thing. The problem is not that we fight. The problem is not that we disagree. The problem is how we fight. That we don't fight like she is God's gift to me. Or I to her. Or the the one that God put in my life to be my mate. We don't fight that way. We fight like she's something to be knocked out, put in her place, and dealt with. Right? Because a fight is all about what? Winning. And, if, and, and the thing that we share in common is dangerous for us. Because we're both very competitive. Very competitive. And so we've just learned, like, we don't get into those competitions because it's going to get ugly fast. Or one of us knows, like, we got to bail because we're, we're, we couldn't ever play chicken and, and run headlong at each other because none of us, neither one of us are giving up. So we fight. See, the Bible says even that a family is splintered by feuding and the family's going to fall apart. But it's not that every family is going to feud. Every family is going to fight, but it's, it's how you fight. We do it the wrong way. No one teaches us as a married couple how to disagree. That a lot of marriages, I think, are doomed from the start, not because people are incompatible, but because they never teach you how to resolve your differences. We fight to win. We fight to destroy. So here's a couple of reasons why, how we get it wrong. It's wrong because we fight the wrong enemy. I know it may seem like it, but the other person in the relationship, and this is really true in friendships, and maybe if you're dating and not married, but we fight the wrong enemy. We put the crosshair on our spouse. We have an issue. We have something we disagree about. She's got to be the problem. See, here's where we go wrong. The difference of opinion does not equal enemy. The fact that she, I say over toilet paper, she may say under, or towel folded this way, or whatever, and we walk that out to major big decisions, and we maybe have a difference of opinion that doesn't make her my enemy. She just has a different opinion, and the problem comes because the devil just wants to destroy relationships. And the reason marriages are in such terrible shape, and the odds keep, sadly enough, the from what I've seen, the non-Christian, or maybe say they're Christian but don't really live that way, they're down to about 50%. Depending on what studies you look at, some Christian marriages, their survival rate is less than 45%. And these are people who say they love God, love Jesus, love the Bible, and understand that. And the reason the devil wants to kill our relationships is because the whole Bible is built around this idea of a relationship. Our relationship to God, how we relate to our fathers, how we relate to our mothers, how we relate to our spouses. So a difference of opinion does not make them your enemy. Look at the Bible says in Ephesians. It says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against enemies. A flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers, dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly place. That's a lot of theology words for we don't fight her, I'm not fighting her, that I have a real enemy, the devil. And the devil just wants to create havoc, create hate, create division. And the more he does, the more he wins. The more we go apart and the further we get apart from God. The next thing we do is we have wrong motive. 
the thing that drives us in this argument. The thing that drives me is not what's important or what's best, but the thing that drives me is, we said earlier, is to what? Is to win. Well, let me put this to you guys first, ladies, in just a second. For the men. And if, I'm thinking about how I want to say this. Because if there's a winner, there has to be a what? And if you would do this, you and I need to have a talk and we'll go out back. But if you would look at the gift that God gave you and said, I'm the winner and you're a loser in any form, then you're wrong. We want to win so bad we'll create a loser. When I think the the motive should be we need to fight for something better. We need to fight to get better, fight to improve, not fight because I'm right and you're wrong. James says this, that what's causing the quarrels and fights among you, don't they come from the evil desires that come within you? doesn't say it's her fault. It says it starts in me. The second part of that says, you want, you want what you don't have and scheme to get it. You're jealous of what others do have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. So it's not her fault. It's me now. I'm going to get her rightness and take it from her so she becomes wrong. It says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So our motive is not even right. So if there's a winner... There has to be a loser. So let me give you your, your purpose for that before we go to the next one. You don't fight to be right. You fight for a resolution. You don't fight to be right. You fight for a resolution. Because the Bible tells us that the resolution is, can come at any time. So in other words, let me say it this way. The Bible says don't go to bed what? Angry. Does it say, don't go to bed unless you agree? No. Because we can have, again, difference of opinion does not make an enemy. I can have a difference of opinion, but it's going to bed angry, mad, trying to make her the loser that is the problem. And we dwell on it, and we stew on it, and we sleep on it, and it's not going to go away in the morning. The Bible says don't go to bed angry, not go to bed agreeing. But when you win at all costs, it destroys people. And the loser is not only you, but your old family. Because your, your kids will see you trying to, trying to make yourself right and your wife or your husband wrong. And that is not a healthy place to be. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, wouldn't it be far better, 1 Corinthians 6-7, wouldn't it be far better to just take it on yourselves, to let yourselves be wronged and forget it? The next part of that verse says, all you're doing is providing fuel for more wrong, more injustice, more hurt to bring on who? Your family. Because your motive's wrong. Your motive is wrong. We fight for the wrong reason. We fight, instead to win, we need to fight for resolution. And it becomes something that we lose hope. When we're fighting for a resolution, we're fighting with each other or two, together for a resolution that God's promised us. 
See, I really do believe in every marriage. And I know people that we've counseled, Mel and I, man, we've been doing this for 24 years. We'll be married, actually married 25 years in July, but doing this in ministry our entire marriage. That when we have people come in and they sit down in our, in our office and we talk, one of the first things we tell them, listen, before you tell me anything that's wrong, anything that's going on in your marriage, you need to know this. No matter how bad it is, no matter what he's done, no matter what she's done, no matter who's done what, that I do believe this, there's always hope in God. There's always hope in God. And the extraordinary relationships come because we have hope in God and not depending on me or the other person to get it right. That I really do believe that every marriage, no matter how bad, there's always hope. With God, there's always hope. Because we, our starting point is, in salvation, there's always redemption. If God can redeem me, who's sinned and walked away from him, maybe you've gotten saved. Maybe the spouse has gotten saved, served in church. Life fell apart. They walked away from God. Can that person come back to God? Most certainly. The Bible says you repent in your heart. And God says, come on in. I've, I've removed from you your mess as far as the east is from the west. Well, then why don't we live that way with our spouse? Now, don't get me wrong. I do understand that there's, there's times where it just does not work. doesn't make you happy. doesn't make God happy. But it, it doesn't work. There's times where the other person refuses. It takes two to decide it's not about me or not about you, but it's about us and listening to God. Because where there's salvation, there's redemption. Where there's God, there's hope. There's life. Now before we go in the next 15 or, 15 or so minutes, I want to give you some things on how we fight right. How to do it correctly. We don't go for the knockout punch. We don't go to, to be smarter, to show yourself more intelligent. I, I joke when I say this, but I'm really serious. I've learned arguing with quality of words and memory for me with her is a losing battle. She's smarter than me. She's quicker than me, and she can remember what I said on January the 3rd, you know, 2006. And she can tell me what I said. So when she says, well, you told me that we were going to, I just say, I probably did, but I'm changing my mind. Because it's, it's pointless. That we learn how to argue. We learn how to have a discussion. But again, just like in the heart, it's going to take a little bit of inward perspective and you, you're going to have to be honest with yourself. That this is how I fight, this is how, my, how I'm wired, but it may not be the right way. So let me give you a couple. The first one is, just what I said, you're going to have to be honest about your anger response. The Bible says we respond to anger. It even says in James 1.19, be slow to get angry. Now, without looking left or right at the person sitting beside you, how many of you would say that you or your spouse has a very short fuse? 
Like it's three words in and boom, it's, it's on. See, a lot of us have very short views. So there's, there's different responses. I'm going to give you a couple. The first one I, I call this. This is, this is actually my daughter Emma does this to me, and it, I think Melanie doesn't do it to me, but if she did do it to me, this one gets on my nerves. I'm just being transparent. And that's this, the huffer. The, the huffer says little, but displays their anger and body language. And what's wrong? What's wrong? Come on, tell me what's wrong. It's like they're trying to talk themselves out of just murdering you right then and there, right? And they grit their teeth. We'll tell Emma to do something, and she'll go, <clears throat> I'm like, it just, I don't do that. But it's the way some of us are wired. Or do you fit this one? Are you deathly silent? You don't grunt, you don't breathe. You sit in silence. You won't even give the other person satisfaction to even know, even acknowledge them in the room. And you are as mad as you could be. You may be, you don't show any color. You don't turn red. You just, I know if Melanie ever does that to me, I'm in trouble. If I don't get a response, I'm in tr- I've done something wrong. Then there's this. Who does, maybe this reminds you of somebody. The grenade. You know what a grenade is? In the military, you pull the pin, you open the door, throw in the grenade, shut the door. They blow up and hurt everybody. The grenade is the person that doesn't matter where they are, what's going on. If you pull that pin of anger, they're going to lose it. The people that get in front of you, maybe, I saw a lady do this at a fast food restaurant. And I actually went to the person, I was behind the person in a, in a fast food restaurant. And this, this lady was the grenade. Her kids made her mad. She pulled the pin. She screamed and cussed at them. She screamed and cussed at the people making the food, everybody. It was just boom. And there are a lot of us that are that way. You not only have a short fuse, but you just blow up and anybody within range is a target. And you know who they are because if, if the pin gets pulled, the room empties. You ever been in somebody's house that's a grenade? <laughs> And you look around and everybody's gone because they know what's coming, right? They're not honest. Somebody needs to be honest about their, their response. The next one, a long fuse. Again, not much reaction, but these are the people that probably we ought to be afraid of <laughs> because it's, I'm angry and I'm just going to stew on it and I'm going to stew on it and I'm going to stew on it and then bang, <laughs> Right? Everybody. And most of the time when you get to this point, we're, what was that for? You remember on July 3rd, you told me, right? It's a long fuse. But if we're not honest about how we respond to anger, you can't deal with a fight because the other person needs to know, hey, don't do this. Don't say this. This is not how, this is, because we instead look for the button to push instead of the button to avoid. Because it's about winning. Because I know if I push this button on Melanie, I can win. Because it's the button that gets her. What about this one? The ostrich. These are people who just, they don't argue, they don't fight. They just stick their head in the sand. 
put their fingers in their ears and just hope it all passes. Anybody an ostrich? Oh, come on. I know there's some in the room. Like, you just put your finger, like, if I just sit here and sing a little song and praise Jesus, it's all going to be gone. You got to be honest with your response. And you sit out like, like, babe, this is the way I was raised. You may have been raised in a family that just liked to yell, scream, hash it out, and then go have coffee. Or a family that something bad happened or the argument happened, they don't ever address it. They just ignore it. And it kind of becomes the long fuse that blows up eventually. Neither one of those is healthy. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 6, this is what I was talking about earlier, that don't let sin control you. Don't let your anger control you by letting the sun go down while you're still angry because it gives the devil a foothold. This is what I was saying earlier. You don't have to settle the argument, but you do have to go settle the anger. You do have to be able to say, I don't agree, I don't agree, but I'm not going to be angry. We're going to talk this out, work this out. It could be tomorrow's. People are surprised when we tell, tell them in counseling, there are times where you just need to go to bed. There are some couples that, no, nah, we're going to stay up and we're going to hash this out. No, you're not. You both get out shovels and you just start digging. And you just dig a hole deeper. And then you jump in each other's hole and then you just dig it deeper. Because we're, all we're doing is giving the devil room to play. And it doesn't work that way. Number two, and this is my favorite one. This is going to require some age. If you don't know who this is, Google it. But this is what I call the vanilla ice principle. Anybody want to take a stab at it before he puts it up? Stop. Collaborate and... Oh, come on. There's some more 80s babies in here than that. Remember vanilla ice? Stop. Collaborate and listen. Remember? Y'all all know it because you're all singing it in your head. Y'all just, nobody's stepping up to stand with me and, and wrap it, right? Stop, collaborate, and listen. The first one, stop. Stop reacting and start thinking. Stop reacting. The reaction is, and Mabel's not in here this morning, but I kid Mabel. Don't ever do, like, don't sneak up on Mabel, my 15-year-old. My She's got lightning quick reflexes and she will bust your nose we took the girls we went on a cruise for Christmas that was our Christmas for everybody we had just gotten on on the boat we got into our room and we were just goofing around and I went up behind Mabel and like goosed her in the side and before I knew it she went Fling! and she hit me square in the nose I was like and I said Mabel we just started vacation you just broke my nose and she said, sorry, Daddy, it was my reaction. I, told, I, I started to fuss, and I thought, no, that's what she needs to do. So any of you guys that got any, got any thought of touching her, she's going to break your nose. And I said, you keep doing that. But for us in the arguments, we can't, break our, we can't break the nose, we can't react, that we stop and think, okay, let's think this through. Let's think how we react. That you avoid when you think, and this is, my, this is for me, thinking avoids foot and mouth. Because my reaction is that I need to take you out, and if I can take you out in the first punch, I can win this. Because if i got to go deep in rounds with Melanie on words, I'm going to lose. Because once I turn around once, she's going to outsmart me, outwit me, and I'm done. 
but I got to knock her out the first time. So I, I don't. I try not to react, to think it through. So there's stop, the collaborate. Collaborate simply this. I'm not telling you to collaborate with her or him. I'm telling you to collaborate with God. So if I stop and think, then I go, God, I need you to give me a better way to do this. There's got to be a better way than what I'm doing to communicate with my wife, to communicate with my spouse. God thinks better than you. He knows better than us. And sometimes as a couple, we've even prayed, God, I don't know what to do. We, she thinks this, I think this. We need you just to guide us, to lead us, and direct us. So stop, collaborate. And the last one should be obvious, but it's always not. Not always. Is listen. And I put on this one, do the math. The math means God gave you one mouth and two ears. So you ought to listen twice as much as you talk. If you have to have an argument, in an argument, and you have to not only have the last word, but you have to have most of the words, you're doing it wrong. Because you're not listening. And there's been studies, I, I, there's, I didn't bring it, but there's studies that say there are times when your ears don't work, and your ears don't work as well. One of them is when you're talking, and the other one's, have you ever noticed when you yawn? When somebody, they can't hear you? So we're either talking or we're yawning because we're bored with what they want to say, and we want, I got you need to listen to me. I got to talk. The Bible says in James 1.19, you must all be quick to listen. It doesn't say be quick to react and knock them out. It says quick to listen. And we're learning to fight well. We're learning to fight with a purpose. Science, again, has proven that our ears work best when our mouths are closed. Proverbs 18 says this, that fools have no interest in understanding. I don't care what your point is. I don't care if, even if you're right. I need you to make, be aware and understand what my opinion is. That's not, and that's how we're taught to argue. Is you, I need to make you adopt my opinion, and when I, you adopt my opinion, then this can be settled. Well, this is hard for some of us, including me, but what if you're wrong? Really? We make it about trivial stuff, but there's some big life decisions. What if you're just wrong? And God's using your spouse, the person that God gave you, to tell you, hey, this is wrong. We need to go this way. This is going to save us a lot of trouble, a lot of heartache. There are a lot of times we're wrong and we just don't listen. Let me give you the third one. The third one is I guard my words. Because there's this old adage that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Baloney. Baloney. If now more than ever, that is not true if you just look at our high schools, at our 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, even younger in some cases, 12, 13-year-olds committing suicide because they were, they were threatened physically, sometimes, because they were told, told how dumb they were, how ugly they were, how worthless they were. They're told they're, they're good to nobody. And those are words from their parents. Do they hear that at school? Yeah. 
But if you're saying it to your spouse, what do you think they're hearing? Well, if daddy doesn't think my mama, you're just a terrible wife. You're not worth any. Well, if daddy thinks that about mama, what do they think you think of them? Like I said, this is not just about you and your wife, your spouse. This is for all of us. James 1.19 says, quick to listen and slow to speak. And you need to do that. Here's, here's some things to avoid in your words. Again, you're not talking down. You're not belittling. You're not trying to take a notch down because we're not trying to win this fight. We're trying to result, fight for a resolution. But do this. This, is, this will help you. Avoid hyperbole. Hyperbole is you will never. I will never. It's these huge words that we say to people, Melanie does, and this is a standing joke between us. At least I hope it is. <laughs> Melanie says, you never kiss me. I'm like, never's an awful long time. <laughs> Pretty sure we got kids. Something happened. <laughs> never, you know. What I get what she's saying. She says, hey, you've not communicated to me. You've not physically shown me love today. But have I never? We get in an argument, and here's the thing. Never is the kneecap of the argument. Because if I say to you, you've never, and then it's just like taking your legs out. Because you can't argue that. If, if, if never is true to you, then I can't help you. I can't fix what's wrong. You always, anybody say that? Oh, come on now. You always think this way. You're always this. Well, no, I'm not right now. Hyperbole doesn't give us any room to fight for resolution because it already says there is one and you're wrong. Hyperbole doesn't let us talk this out or listen to God because we've already made up our mind. So guard your words. Matter of fact, I will go to the other side. I think you need to be intentional. Now, I will warn you, sometimes it, this... People will think you're trying to outsmart them, but there are times when it's much better to go, God says you're a blessing to me. God says you're, you're life to me. God said, you know, and you begin to say what God says. Now, I can see in an argument how you start quoting the Bible. As a matter of fact, one of the things I have in my, my notes is don't ever use the Bible to prove a point. It's, because you're, this is not an argument of theology. This is an argument of finding the resolution between you. Another one we do, guard your words. <clears throat> and we'll close on a verse in this. When we do premarital counseling, whether you've been married before or not, the second thing we tell you, the first thing is there's always hope. The second thing is always that we take one club out of your bag to use the golf analogy. Anybody want to guess what that is? We take the D word out of the bag. Because if there is one, if it's there, you're going to use it. The D word is divorce. Because we like to throw it. Because we can't guard our words. So if you, if you don't have the word, then you can't throw that. You can't let somebody, because again, it's hyperbole. I've heard couples knowing that neither one of them had any intention or really any desire to get a divorce. 
throw that at each other. And when we stop and say, did you really mean that? Would you really, if we could snap our hands, do this, and you're divorced, and this is over, would you do that right now? Almost always they go, no. Well, then why do you throw that? Why do we throw the hyperbole? Usher, you guys can do your thing. Look what the Bible says. It says, watch your tongue. God, this could help a lot of us. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you'll what? You'll stay out of trouble. Proverbs, you back up a few chapters and Proverbs 18 says this, that the tongue can either bring life or death. And those who love the talk, love to talk will reap the consequences of it. I don't know that I gave you everything, but I feel like I gave you enough this morning to begin to rethink how we, how we disagree how my wife and I can, can disagree, can fight for a resolution. And it doesn't have to be about minimizing her, her minimizing me, or me making her feel stupid. I just don't think we fight well. And some of it has to do with heart change. I would gather that somewhere in this, most of us in one of those anger reactions have found ourselves. Or I've said something this morning that kind of, ooh, that hit home. But for some of us, the extraordinary relationship is going to have to start again, what we said last week, back with a heart check. For some of you, you just need Jesus. You've never said, hey, I just kind of give this all to Jesus. I give my life, my problem, my anger, my, my habits, my addiction. I give it, God, I'm just going to give it to you. The Bible says for all of us, for God to be involved in our lives, that's the starting point. So if you would, just for a second, you can stay seated, just bow your heads, close your eyes. We'll stand in a minute. That if that's you this morning, say, Clint, I need you to, I want you to pray with me. I want to pray. I just need to give life to God. And then we'll work on this marriage. Then we'll work on this arguing. Because the Bible says without Jesus, there's no hope. Hope comes because it was sent to us through Jesus. So if that's you this morning, if you with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, you can simply repeat this after me. You say, Lord Jesus, today, come on, let's just say it together. Lord Jesus, today, I ask you to forgive me of the mess of my life. And this morning, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. See, the Bible says now that's the starting place. We're all in the same starting place. Now, if you would with me, if you'll stand with me, I'm going to pray one more time. Then we're going to sing one more song. Just a reminder, if you're visiting or people who maybe you're here every week and don't realize it, over to my right, your left, during the last song, if you just want somebody to grab hands and pray with you, somewhere in something in life, you just need somebody to agree with you. The Bible says that we can put our faith together and lift each other up. Over to my right, your left. We'll have somebody over here to pray with you. But for the rest of us, when we leave, here's my prayer, especially for the married couples, for relationships. I'm not only going to be healed, but God will teach us how to, how to think, how to respond, keep our words in check, and that we fight for a resolution, not for victory. Because the Bible says this. This is one of my notes, but this is very key. The Bible says victory 
is already been won. When Jesus came, he paid the price for all of us. We've won. Now it's time to walk in victory. So we're fighting for a resolution not to be the winner. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. For everybody in the room and everybody watching online, that God, you teach us. God, you guide us. You speak to us. How do we settle this argument? How do we settle this? How do I treat that person in front of me? God, my spouse, or maybe a friend or family, how do I treat them like you want me to treat them? And God, yet we communicate and we fight for a resolution. God, we fight to get better. We fight for that extraordinary, for better than the world says we can have, God. We have more because of you. And God, we thank you for that this morning. I ask you to keep us all safe and protected as we go. Bring us back next week, God, and use us this week. Not only hungry for you, but hungry to show other people who you are. And God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.